Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Good, y'all. Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast. <laughs> part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week? We're having a laugh at the top of the episode because I started it after Schwebzy and I were making jokes at each other. It was just a very awkward start to the show. So <laughs> anyway. hi friends. Well, we're gonna we're gonna leave that in because that that is oh, that are. is that is us, that is natural. Heck it, we're going to do it live. We're going to do it live, dang it. I mean, it's getting towards the end of the season. Things are getting pretty loose. It's Labor Day weekend. We're trying to be relaxed, right? I mean, I'm I assuming no one speaking, listens anymore, but... I, well, hey, easy now. We know that that's not true at all. We got multiple like people that sent us messages this past week. And also, like someone who sent us a gift, which was super duper nice. Yeah, shout out I, to Joe Lowry, aka J-Hook, who hangs out in the Twitch chat with us like pretty much every single Sunday night. You are the absolute raddest for sending what you did. Uh, Schwebzy, what did he send us? Yeah, so Joe is a writer over at uh, Prospects Live, mm-hmm. and he uh, he was both a prospect encyclopedia and a uh, baseball card guru. Yes. Uh, really, just just a very generous person. I've, I've never seen this man answer a question asked of him with anything less than a paragraph, and I'm still kind of like riding a like generosity high from the, uh, the, the baseball cards that he sent us, one of which is in the deep favorite an autographed card of chris flexen the man who stole my wife if you if you've been following our inside jokes for a year if you've been with us for that long kudos honestly and also you you are the only ones that will understand that joke but yeah that along with uh other call out like what was there was i mean like i got he gave me a lamont wade bowman chrome first uh autograph card which is absolutely absurd. Love Lamont Wade Jr. He also gave me a Tanner Houck jersey card. Just like a ton of really, like, really, really thoughtful and dope things. A bunch of Brewers cards. Just like can't thank Joe enough. So thank you so much, dude, for hanging out with us and also being such a great supporter of the pod. We appreciate it. Yes, I like there, there are very few things that we can bank on from week to week with this show. Uh including it's it's recording <laughs> but uh one one thing that we can actually count on every week is is joe hanging out and uh you know keeping us company and asking questions and just generally being a pleasant contributor to the stream absolutely so yeah i mean if you want to join us for our sunday night streams like i said we're over on twitch you can find us at schwebzy's channel that's twitch.tv backslash schwebzy uh, I guess while we're saying all this too, we could probably say all the rest of the social media stuff at the top. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we have a shared podcast account that's in the deep PL. We will also tweet from there when we're going live for our streams on Sunday nights. Uh, and then if you want to follow Schwebzy and I individually, you can find Schwebzy at Schwebzy, his namesake. That is S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And then you can find myself at Bunt Singles. Uh, we also 
although it hasn't had a lot of traffic lately. And we kind of, I mean, I kind of hope that we get more for the off season, hopefully. But we do have a mailbag that you can submit questions to that's going to be at our email in the deep PL at gmail.com. So shoot us some questions over there, especially for the off season. Like we would love to hear from you. Uh, I try, I I have requested hate mail on many an occasion and I've received zero from what I'm, from what I'm gathering from this is that we are immaculate. That's probably true, but like I I've seen immaculate people get hate mail. So I, I'm true. We're extra immaculate, extra immaculate, the most immaculate. All right. Um, God, what else? I mean, what else have you been? What? How is? How's your weekend bench, Webzy? Let's just start with that too. Oh, I saw Shang Chi. Ooh, yes. I saw. Uh, just we, the, I'm going to go yeah, see it this week. We're we're big Marvel dorks here on in yes, the we are. Yes, we are. And uh, what a, what a movie, man! I, I'm I'm just it's mostly like, excited for the fight choreography. Most of all, it's it's very dope. There's some like the action scenes from like the first half of the movie are some of the best that Marvel has ever done. Oh dang! Okay. Well, like, I'm I, that. I, I'd say like the only things that really like come close to it are maybe like the daredevil fights from uh, the TV show. I was literally going to ask you if you like the daredevil fights or these fights more. So like this is different in that it's it's more of a big budget and it, it's yeah more kung fu flick and less visceral than the uh, daredevil stuff. So it's a different flavor, but you know, the, the fights are both immaculate. Love it. All right. Yeah, I'm excited to see it this week. Uh, I got to see Adrian Hauser's shutout yesterday which we're recording this on Sunday night, just so we're clear. So I went to the game on Saturday. That was amazing. First one since 2014 for the Brewers. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit more later since I'll be talking about Adrian Hauser a little bit, but uh, that was really, really cool. I'm excited I get to do that uh, pretty frequently for the rest of the season because I have a buddy who's got a ton of tickets for the rest of the season in the playoffs. So I'm going to get to see some playoff baseball. Uh, Schwabzi, unfortunately, the Mets... Not well, maybe maybe they'll be playoff bound. You never three know. Po- three point five games out, and That's we got a bad. few more games against the Nationals and Marlins. It's true. That is true. I wish you the best. I do also want you to be able to join the Brewers hype train for the for the playoffs too. Like you, you know what would be you uh, know what would be really fun for us is if the like we wound up like having a Mets versus Brewers playoff series. Oh God imagine can you imagine the episode we would have while i would i wouldn't be able to speak to you because i'd be so mad because the brewers would probably put the mets in the ground yeah 100 percent without without a question there's I, I no chance there's no chance the mets lineup can touch like woodruff peralta burns not all three of them at least not not in a row that is that is uh the best like top three of a rotation that i would probably see in my entire lifetime will be these three and we have control of all of them for a few years which is very exciting so that's really really great yeah, uh, we, we were talking to nick pollock before the well during the stream and uh i, I yes. mentioned that my my burns is my pick for the cy young in spite of the uh you know l- low innings total yeah he's just been so dominant in those innings that he's pitched that was kind of your argument right yeah yeah, yeah it's like sure. a 1.5 fifth it's it's stupid it's, it's actually stupid it's foolish he's been so fun to watch numbers. all year so fun to watch all year oh I'm spoiled. I really am. I got to realize that. Must uh, be nice. All right. To cleanse the palate of all of these very, very good players, we're going to talk about some lesser roster players, not bad players. <laughs> what but an we're going to talk about the people that, I mean, 
I'm ta- I'm starting off by talking about someone who literally isn't rostered anywhere. Zero percent, according to fan, uh, Fantasy Pros. So the person that I want to talk about to kick off the hitters is Anthony Alford from the Pirates. Uh, so Alford has appeared in most of the games uh, since August 24th for the Pirates, and he's actually been like really, really productive. He's got four home runs, five runs, seven RBIs, and three stolen bases. So a nice power-speed combo. You really don't get those kind of counting stats from someone who is literally universally unrostered in most leagues. It's like pretty crazy to think about. Um, though he has mostly been hitting out of the seven or eight spots since he became like a regular in the lineup, he did. He so he didn't play on su- on Sunday. He did play on Saturday. He was hitting out of the five spot on Saturday, right behind Colin Moran, which is maybe a sign, at least for me, that he's earned a bit more confidence from manager Derek Shelton moving forward. Perhaps be really really nice uh even though it's like the fifth worst ranked offense in terms of ex woba since the trade deadline that's still like a super premier lineup spot that should provide him some ample opportunity to accrue like a modest amount of counting stats especially the rbis if he can hold that fifth spot for the rest of the season and like considering that the people currently listed in front of him in the lineup on roster resource are jacob stallings kevin newman and cole tucker I would say that he's probably got a pretty good shot of holding that spot in the lineup. Um, something that is worth looking at is that they do have a six-game week this week. Their opponents are the Tigers and the um, oh god and the Nationals. Sorry, uh, pretty much every single pitcher that he lines up to face this week. So it's going to be Tarek Skubal, Willie Peralta, and Matt Manning for the Tigers, and then Josiah Gray, Patrick Corbin, and Paulo Espino. All of them have an ex-WOBA against them, well over league average, except for Josiah Green. He's only had like a handful of starts really so far this year, so he's kind of got a smaller sample size to work with. Uh, those are a ton of favorable matchups. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to see what he can do this week and to see if he can continue performing. So he just, just on paper, it looks like he's in a position to have some success. Uh, I will say that the K rate is super inflated. It's like 35% plus and the walk rate is like sub 4%. It's very, very low. Um, But I mean, at this point in the season, if you're looking for any production from any position, right? Like there's going to be players with boards. And if it's a guy that's striking out a bunch, but still hitting like 270 plus, you're going to take it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's like Bradley Zimmer-esque almost. He's got the, he's got the loud tools. He's got the role. He can chip in some homers and steals. Exactly. Uh, And like, yeah, like he does have his warts again. That strikeout rate is very, very high. One last note that actually is a really nice positive. The sample size. Yes, it is pretty tiny. He's only got like, he's only seen like 120 pitches or something like that, but both his ex-woba and his expected batting average are like 20 points higher than his actual outputs that he's had so far. So it's possible that he's even been like a tad unlucky over the past few weeks. So that's slightly encouraging too. So like, again, someone that uh, outfield eligible is literally just universally rostered in 0% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. It seems like a pretty easy ad for me. And I actually picked him up in TGFBI this week. So like 15 team leagues for sure, like 12 teamers, he's probably not going to play obviously, but in a 15-teamer, he's 100% for me a pickup just to at least run him out there for a week to see what he does. 
Yeah, I dig it. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for this kind of player. I have absolutely owned Alfred on several teams over the course of the last couple of years because he's yeah. got those incredibly loud tools. So anytime he gets regular playing time, it you know it, it's worth noting. And if you're desperate in a deep enough league, it's worth rostering. For sure. So yeah, like NL onlys and then like 15 teamers is kind of where I'm at with that. But yeah, and then I guess we're going to very slowly work our way up the ladder here as we go to a certain extent. But like, you have someone here that is 1% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. And that is Lane Thomas. Let's talk about Lane Thomas a little bit. This is like, this is like the, the shortest distance between rungs on a ladder in the history of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, this, this rung is like an inch above the previous rung, but uh, Lane Thomas, I, let me start by saying that I hate this because why do you, why do you hate this because i've been watching well i when i i use the term watching uh liberally because i haven't actually watched the mets game in several weeks because uh i'm embarrassed but uh i i've been following lane thomas act a, like just absolutely annihilating the mets for the past few days yeah and the nationals acquired lane thomas for the ghost of john lester and <laughs> since then he's just been making waste of of the the my, my team so uh and this continues the proud tradition of nondescript baseball players just weirdly owning the mets <laughs> i'm also really excited for john lester to dominate the mets when they play the cardinals later this month because that is going to happen oh um, god yeah fun fun fact speaking of nondescript players owning the mets the three highest ops's against the mets this year belong to jacob stallings rodolfo castro and Wilmer Defoe. <laughs> I'm, uh, not, I'm is, not crying. You're crying. The the, the cream of the crop rises yeah, to just the top the true, in this case. Truly elite players. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, oh Lane, Lane Thomas. Thomas. Lane yeah. Thomas. Right, right, right. All right. Since, <laughs> since joining the Nationals, he's put up a 935 OPS, which is good. Uh, yeah. And that has been at mostly while occupying the leadoff spot. And if you're a regular listener, you probably know where I'm about to go with this. When you're talking about deep leagues, roll is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Anyways. <laughs> roll is half the battle. Uh, he's been hitting out of the leadoff spot for nine straight games while producing a 148 WRC plus. And it, I, there's no real reason for the Nats to remove him from that role while he keeps producing out of it. Uh, I, I assume after watching Victor Robles flounder there for a while, they're happy to see some production out of the leadoff spot. Mm -hmm. And he's even added a few home runs lately with three dingers in the last five games. Although we should dock him some credit for those because uh, that's likely due to some reverse Mets curse that is just really prevalent throughout the game of baseball. Um, I, I dig the walk rate, uh, but I do think this is a case of a batter being almost too passive because it leads to him not swinging at some very hittable pitches. And my question is, is he watching these pitches go because he can't do anything with them? Like, is he just specifically hunting pitches that he can hit? Like Lane Thomas literally has a zero Woba on fastballs down the middle. Oh, wow. Just like, like from top to bottom. No, like, 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 like I'm saying from the top to bottom, like in the middle, top to bottom of the zone. No, just like the the actual middle zone. Oh, like belt high. 
Yeah. So like he, oh, he's, I, I was, he's thinking, done, I was yeah. thinking wrong access, Y axis instead of X axis. My bad. D- down the pipe, uh, yes, which is you, not the term. I, I usually like to use a non in the deep friendly term to describe those pitches. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he, he does some damage on middle up. But okay. like it's a literal zero woba on four seamers like down the middle and like middle away. It's it's so weird looking at his chart of like what pitches he does damage on. So I I'm it's interesting. I like I think this is like a work in progress. I I like th- this is not like I, I, you're not, I'm not able to do complete analysis on him yet. I I think we just need to see more. But he's got the right role to produce and i'd be happy to add him at this point on any like 15 teamer or deeper that was in need of runs because he's like hitting lead off in front of juan soto is one of the better places you can be if you need to accumulate some runs at the very least you're gonna end up on second base because he's gonna at least walk behind you too if you get on if you get on first so yeah juan soto just uh, uh like reached the uh I, I don't, I'm, I'm floundering for the right uh, way to put this, but he he now has more walks than strikeouts for his career. Yes, which is unreal in this day it's and age. Legendary man. Ugh. I, there's so there's. I mean, you can count on probably like one hand the number of players that are going to be able to do that. Yeah, like it, it's it's Pujols esque. Yeah, it's so oh, it's so good. Yeah, he's he's been a joy to watch. But uh, Lane Thomas, I will say also. He used to be in the NL Central because he was playing on the Cardinals. Obviously, he wasn't getting a ton of playing time because he was behind a ton of like folks that probably should be playing in front of him anyways. But, I mean, I was like, I'm not going to see any more of him, am I? And then he had a really good series against the Brewers when he was with the Nationals right away, too. So I also felt a little bit of the pain of uh, lane time, the, 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 the lane pain, if you will. Ah. Uh, yeah. But oh, uh, So uh, opposite of a fun fact... Uh, Pujols, Pujols has just finally struck out more than he's walked for his career. Like he, he's going in the Aww. opposite direction of Soto and he has That's just sad. gone in the wrong direction with, with that benchmark. That doesn't matter. Fun. He's a hall of famer. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, yeah. Lane Thomas, I like that one, though, honestly. Uh, again, yeah, uh, 1% rostered leadoff hitter is very, very uh, a very good target at this point in the season. So definitely go after Lane Thomas. Uh He's an outfielder, right? Outfielder, outfielder. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. So we, we've got a fun thing this week where like we looked at the list of who was sub twenty percent and who's been performing well and has a yeah. you know interesting upcoming schedules. And we looked at this list and we were like, Good God, this is bad. It's getting very thin. So out there. yeah, like the the both of us are going to be mentioning players that we we don't actually like that much, and it's yeah. more about opportunity than skills. It's either opportunity or it's filling a need on your team, which is like the yes. next person I'm going to talk about, basically. Because like the person that I'm going to talk about next, I am not very excited about at all, and it feels kind of bad to recommend. But this is mostly just for like, especially so. Just like to preface this, it's going to be basically only for leagues where you're doing like season long roto. So if this is like a weekly head-to-head matchup thing, I wouldn't do this because it feels like he's just going to tank you in so many categories. But if you're in a season-long Roto League and you need stolen bases, which it seems like I try to come up with someone every single week that you can pick up for stolen bases, I think that Leody Tavares is probably going to be one of the best ones. So uh, 14% roster between ESPN and Yahoo. Again, this is going to be super-duper short because it feels bad to recommend but you really need to not care about your batting average for the rest of the year. If you're going to roster and start the Tavares, it's not great. He's like sub 200 
batting average over the past couple of weeks, but he is starting every single day in center field for Texas. And he's got five stolen bases in the past 15 days, along with two home runs. So he's at least throwing some power in there too, to a certain extent, but that's literally where all the good stuff ends. Um, Yeah. It's just not really a fun one to talk about, honestly. And the biggest like pain point for me with Leo Tavares is the fact that we just talked about Anthony Alford, who's got like a pretty good opportunity and is putting up just generally better stats, 0% rostered. Lane Thomas also hitting leadoff for a team that has Juan Soto right behind him, 1% rostered. Leo Tavares with like a sub 200 batting average, but very clearly there's a lot of people out there that really value steals and really need those steals. He is 14% rostered, which is pretty wild to me. That is like super duper high, like way too high for me. Yeah, like from from a five category roto perspective, I would rather roster Alfred. I think right now, yes, absolutely. I, mean, I, I don't I mean. think I'd rather have either of them if I had my choice. But yeah, well, of course, yeah. But like if the league is deep enough, you're going to be rostering guys like this regardless. Right. But it's just right. like at this point in the season, I'm a hundred percent going to choose Alfred over Tavares. Same thing with like Lane Thomas. I would r- much rather have Lane Thomas over Tavares. But if you really need stolen bases that badly, he's probably going to be the best option available on the waiver wire so that's why i'm uh recommending Tavares very very hesitantly this week so if you need those stolen bases he's your man yeah i don't like it but i agree with it yeah all right and then we got brian de la cruz next week i, th- I think we covered brian de la cruz i feel like i remember you saying something about the marlins outfield right after the trade deadline um, and now here we are and you're talking about a Marlins outfielder. I I, I think that <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is so rude. I I talked I I talked heck about the. Uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I said mean things about the 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 Marlins outfield yes, not long did. ago. Uh, this was right after the trade de- deadline, and I said that the Marlins outfield might be one of the worst ever put together in the major yes. leagues. And uh, then they were really, really, really good for like a couple weeks. As yeah, like Brinson. two weeks. Like, I, w- I would like you all to know how powerful I am and how powerful my my curse is because I even made Lewis Brinson good for a couple of weeks. This is true. Who else can do that? Who else can do that? But anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, love... I don't love uh, Brian De La Cruz in like a keeper sense. Like you might think, oh, well, he's a 24-year-old getting his first real playing time and he's succeeding. Like maybe this is a long-term kind of player. Uh, I don't love him like that really. Um, But we really only need to care about his production for another four weeks in most leagues. And this is almost like, this is similar to your Anthony Alford suggestion in that like this is almost like streaming an outfielder for me because yeah his next two weeks he gets to face some truly abysmal pitching staffs like he's going to be seeing washington he's going to be seeing pittsburgh and you know you, you may have heard those pitching staffs are not very good and he gets yeah he gets nine games of those teams over the next two weeks and he's playing nearly every day uh, and there's no reason for him to not continue playing nearly every day because again, the Mar- the Marlins are kind of in a rough spot where, and they're, they're in evaluation mode. They need to see what they have. Uh, De La Cruz is a product of the Houston farm system, which I generally regard as a good thing. Uh, he was never really a prospect of note 
but did put up some decent numbers in his first taste of triple a this year after COVID ruined the 2020 season. So we get the fun task now of trying to figure out if what we're seeing is real or just a BABIP driven flash in the pan. And the BABIP is really high, which is relevant. And his X stats wildly outstrip his actual production. So I, I want to lean in the, in the direction of this being a fluke, but that also might not matter because again, he gets to face some pretty rough pitching staffs and you know, he has the role. So the, the plate discipline, it, it's like close enough to league average that I kind of think that he'll just be fine. Yeah. Like, and that's like, I, I mean, fine as in like, he'll be okay. You know, he, he's not going to be a world beater. Um, but I think he can be a viable outfielder in like an NL only league for at, at least during that time frame that I mentioned, I like I, I feel like he he feels like a like a slightly less good Harold Ramirez, like he doesn't have the same tools as Harold Ramirez, but I yeah. think he can he can do that kind of samey counting stat production, uh, and you know there I I've, I've talked about him several times this year. I like Harold Ramirez. Uh, I you know I've had to drop him because he's hit a valley, but when he's going good, he's absolutely worth rostering, and I think Taylor Cruz can be uh, kind of in the same vein. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I very briefly just recently rostered uh, Jorge Alfaro uh, in TGFBI and played him in my second catcher spot. Outfielder, Jorge Alfaro. Uh, But I put him in my second catcher spot because he's catcher eligible, obviously. Um, So I think like definitely in like the 15 team leagues and like the NL only leagues, there is some value in that Marlins outfield still to a certain extent. Like is it going to, like you said, none, none of these guys, I don't think in general, are going to be world beaters by any means. And they're not going to just go off and perform super duper well for the next four weeks. But they're, they're going to provide like steady production, I think. And De La Cruz, I think, is probably my favorite out of all of them right now. Like I want him over like Magnuris Sierra or like any of the other folks in that outfield right now, probably. Yeah, I don't think Sierra is any good at baseball, which <sighs> means he's going to be awesome over the next two weeks. That Yeah, that's your cue since I have just cursed him in uh, a reverse curse uh he's gonna be awesome for the next couple of weeks yeah go go grab back <laughs> sierra guys just don't, real quick don't do that don't do that don't, please don't do that real quick i just gotta ask uh can you hear my landlord yelling upstairs i, I cannot okay good but is is he is he mad is he a magnarius sierra fan clearly he's very upset at you he's asking he's yelling uh what's his address and i think he means you <laughs> I think he's going to come to your, I think he's going to, I think he's going to, I think he's going to airdrop you the, uh, the GPS to the lo- nearest Denny's <laughs> and meet you there with a shirt off in the parking lot. Um, I feel like that's more, that's more of a waffle house thing. Well, I don't do, do people fight in Denny's in the Midwest? I don't know. Uh, there's punk shows at Denny's. That's pretty dope. That's a real thing. Um, did you ever see that? Never mind. Okay, this is this is a story for another time. Anyways, uh, moving on. I'm actually wow. Oh. I'm talking about never in a billion years. Like just considering even the subject matter of our podcast, I suspect that I would talk about two separate Pittsburgh Pirates hitters on the same episode. But this is the world that we live in. Uh, Dude, I'm not- I talked about Yoshi Satsugo last week. We are kind of on a Pirates run. That's true. Are we a Pirates podcast now? We need Ooh, to talk about more have- Giants. We have we have barely talked about any giants lately. That's true. Yeah, we've transitioned oh to a pirates podcast. It's because everyone got on them. They they cleared that twenty percent threshold. That's why. Well, maybe people are listening to us. Maybe I'm wrong. 
Maybe. Yeah. But no, I'm going to talk about uh, Colin Moran, someone that I actually mentioned while I was talking about Anthony Alford. Um, but like I said, Pickens are pretty slim right now, which is why I'm recommending him here. He's like two thirds of the archetypal in the deep hitting candidate, right? He's got consistent playing time and he has a really stellar spot in the lineup hitting fourth literally every single day that he's in there. But he's surrounded by a really inept offense with the Pirates. Um, like that literally we keep every, recommending. Yeah. <laughs> li- well, th- that's the thing is like there's certain bats in that lineup that are going to be very, very good, I think, over the next few weeks. But it's like when you don't have you when you have like an inept six through eight spot in the lineup. No, I know. I know. It's so bad. Even like the one <laughs> and two hitters in that lineup aren't that great. But when you have like Brian Reynolds, Moran and Alfred, I think that three, four, five is a good like heart of the lineup, at least or a serviceable one against less than stellar pitching too. Gosh, I just hope Brian Hayes figures it out, man. That's the one yeah. thing I want out of that lineup. Yeah, that's true. I, I love him as a player. I hope he, I hope he gets back to where he was last year. Same. But yes, Moran. Hope. Yes, Moran. So, um, like I said, with Alfred, the matchups for next week are like just crispy, delicious goodness. And I think that, even a relatively inept Pirates offense should be able to accrue some value in that six-game stretch. So he did just actually end a nine-game hit streak with an 0-3 performance today, being Sunday. Uh, though he did walk twice in that time. So like on-base percentage, really not that bad either. And in the past 15 days, he's got an even 300 average. So he's hitting for average. He's got a couple home runs in that time too, some decent counting stats. So he's getting there. Um it's just that the rest of the offense has to kind of step up a little bit too. And I think that with both Alford behind him and Reynolds in front of him, that could happen. Um, I think he's a slightly less appealing option than Alford right now, just because I like Alford's speed a little bit more, just like added value in that regard. But I think he's definitely worth rostering in 15 teamers and even some 12 teamers. If you have a corner and field spot that you can fill, because again, really, really poor pitching that they're going to be matching up against in the next week or so. Yeah, like this is far from the first time that Moran has wound up being fantasy viable. He's shown yeah. the propensity to be streaky before. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if, the, if this is the start of one of his streaks, then getting in now it w- is going to be a great way to reap those benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. And then also just like an added little bonus for those of you that are in Yahoo leagues. He's mostly in, in almost every single other league. He's only first base eligible, but he's first, second and third base eligible on, on Yahoo. So that's a nice little added bonus there. So you can play him at a middle infield spot as well if you have one of those in your league. Thanks for being incredibly scuffed, Yahoo. Thank you so much, Yahoo. Uh, all right, let's move on to our last hitter. Then we've got we're going we're going up to the to the Great White North to uh, Toronto to talk about one of their three catchers that they have on the roster right now, uh, Alejandro Kirk. Take it away, Schwabs. We're going to the Great White North, Dunedin, Florida. No, not, not anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, Alejandro Kirk is uh, kind of uh, like if he got full-time playing time, he might wind up being the like unofficial, you know, sponsor of in the deep because he fits oh, what we love to a T. Yes. He is a, he is a large stout boy, hits the ball real far. Big, big fan, big fan of the archetype. Yes. Uh, he's, he's like a, Speaking of you, which, Daniel Volgobach walk off Grand Slam today. Thank you very much. You know those, uh, you know, you know those like uh, 
YouTube shows like what can can you crush it like what'll happen if you put this in in a will, in will a, it blend no 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 like the the oh the hydraulic press presses, channels the hydraulic press that's it I couldn't yeah. think of the word hydraulic because I'm I'm are smart. you thinking about like what like putting Alejandro Kirk into one of those right no now? I'm thinking like this is like what if you put Sam Huff into a hydraulic press for a little bit you you, <laughs> you would you'd wind up with Alejandro Kirk but um no they're they're pretty different players Alejandro Kirk uh is very different uh because he doesn't strike out much mm-hmm. and he walks a good bit which uh is a bit different than sam huff's swing at everything and uh you know make loud contact sometimes true uh so this definitely is not the first time we've spoken about alejandro kirk here he's a really fun player with a tantalizing skill set all he's done in his first 300 or so plate appearances so far in the majors is put up a 366 ex woba as a catcher before mm-hmm. he's turned 23 chef kiss that's pretty good you know Papa uh, like yeah this year he's seen significant gains on his barrel rate his ex woba his k percentage and his walk percentage all of which is stuff that i love and suggests that there's more to come i expect that he's going to see some increased attention today and see his ownership uh roster ship numbers increase after he went three for four with a double home run two runs and three rbis bringing his season woba to 351 which would put him at seventh among all catchers with at least a hundred plate appearances. Again, he's not even 23 yet. He's that's really young, especially yeah. for a catcher. It's a position that tends to develop slowly. Now the possible hang up here, which we have to acknowledge is that the blue Jays like to do this thing where they play like three different catchers and also rotate a bunch of players through their DH spot. Mm-hmm. But the saving grace here is that Kirk is a good enough bat that he sees time at DH in spite of being a catcher. As soon as George Springer is healthy enough to play the field regularly again, I expect to see Kirk getting some of his catcher off days in that DH spot, you know, a, a la Salvador Perez, just, you yeah. know, not not as regular. Uh, Danny Jansen just came off the injured list. And since Jansen has returned, Kirk has started three out of those five games. Now, again, Jansen's fresh off the IL, so maybe they're giving him a rest, but that's a good sign to start. Um, alarming is that Jansen has hit a couple of dingers, which may get him more playing time. But again, Kirk has been awesome too. So, you know, this all muddies the waters. But before this season, Alejandro's Kirk's, Alejandro Kirk's projections were like absurd. absurd. Yeah, they were. Like, they were yeah. Some projection systems literally said he would be the best catcher in baseball offensively. Which is crazy <laughs> to think about. And like, I mean, yes, it has come true. Yeah. Right. But... But, you know, and at the time he was a, well, I, this was like eight months ago, so he was still 23, but a young 23 uh, and had barely seen any time above a ball. So mm-hmm. the, the bat has the potential to be special here. He does a lot of the things that I, I like, which is make a lot of contact, draw a lot of walks in spite of that. I, I think that especially in keeper leagues, if he's somehow out there, um, I, I think a, per, a prospective ad of Kirk is a really savvy move. And I think in two catcher leagues, he's straight up a must add if he's still out there. He's currently at 4% in, in the Yahoo and ESPN leagues. So there's a good shot that he's out there, even uh, even if you do have a two catcher league. Love it. Yeah, I mean, we were both earlier in the year, like very, very big fans of Kirk. Obviously, it didn't pan out how we wanted it to early on, but... And also the projection systems, like you said before, to harken back to that, all of them 
projected him to have like a, or a lot of them projected him to have just an absolutely monster year. And even though that isn't the case, you said that he's seen so many like significant gains in areas that we love to see. Like you said, the X woe, the K rate's gone down, the walk rate's gone up. It's all trending in the right direction. And he is again, like you stated before, super young. So like, I mean, he's going to, he's going to be great. I feel like for years to come and he's going to be very highly touted again next year in draft season. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, so which leagues did you say, which leagues that you would want him in? I, I want him in every single two catcher league. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. If, if I'm in a one catcher league that has a keeper element, I'm picking him up at least to stash on the bench. Uh, you know, obviously every single dynasty format, he should be rostered. And, um, if you know if you're if it's a shallower league, I'm just watching. Yeah, I think if, if he's getting you know three out of five starts out of the catcher spot, like he's probably a top twelve catcher. Probably, oh for sure. Yeah, if he gets that many play, if he gets like, enough plate appearances, he he absolutely will be. In years so to we, come. yeah, like we talked last week about. Uh, I, I think I said that K Bear Ruiz should be rostered in every league. You know, even if it's yeah. just as like you know the worst teams starting catcher or whatever. Um, I, I think Kirk is at that same place where I like, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be like a top, you know, like, like at the tail end of the top 10 for the rest of the year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, he's not available in like literally any of my leagues that I play because I, well, I like to think that I play with some pretty sharp people. Um, but I'm definitely going to, cause I feel like the stock after like the big hype up at the beginning of the season was like very very high and then when he just like wasn't playing that much and like just uh, he just wasn't around until like this latter half of the year i'm still has I'm, gone I'm actually down quite a bit i'm shocked at how low the number is four percent i'm surprised yeah, it's very very low uh so uh i'm going to try to target him in the off season as a trade piece preferably I expect us to talk about him in our preseason preview if his adp is low enough yeah 100 we i mean it would be foolish if we did not talk about him yeah, earmark that for for next season for the preseason episodes. Or even like, I mean, we're gonna be doing pretty soon in the offseason, we'll be doing probably a too early mock draft right away, I would assume. Oh my god, we've only got like three episodes left. It's crazy to oh think. Oh my about. god. Oh yeah, my god. Pretty wild. Um what am I gonna do with my Sundays? That's a good question. Play Smite with me, probably. Oh, I don't plan on talking to you for like the entirety of the off season. <laughs> Same, you jerk. Anyways, <laughs> let's go from one battery mate to the other kind of battery mate, which is the pitchers here. Uh, and we're going to lead it off with Schwebzy here again, talking about one Antonio Senzatella, which is someone that you were a little bit uh, hesitant, I feel like, to talk about. Yeah. So I, we, we mentioned earlier that uh, some some players serve specific purposes and yes, uh, we might not necessarily like them, but they might be worthwhile ads anyway. Sensatella kind of uh, isn't even that. And I'll explain. I just want everyone to know that I'm cringing like super hard as I wrote these notes. Uh, I don't like Sensatella as a fantasy pitcher. I think this is kind of like what Marco Gonzalez did last year where like it was an obscenely yeah. low walk rate. And like, that's not like a super sustainable thing. Like no one puts up obscenely low walk rates just year after year. It's, it's such a feel thing that it can ebb and flow over the course of a career. He's generally got pretty good control, but this is like wild what he's doing right now. But at the same time, it's been three months now, 
more than three months of a 3.51 ERA and a 3.01 FIP. So even if, like me, your gut reaction when you see Senzatella is to Senzatell him to get out of here, oh. he's <laughs> kind of just been rolling for half a season now. Uh, I mean, the reason for that low FIP, uh, you know, major ingredients of FIP are walk rate and home run rate. And he's like, those have been unreal this year. Like, we can point to a couple of standout attributes as drivers of his success. He doesn't walk anybody and yeah. he doesn't give up any dingers. He's always been pretty good at both of those things, but this year has been another level. If he can continue to do those things, it's a really good place to start for limiting runs and particularly limiting big innings. He's historically been pretty good at limiting barrels. Um, like really almost every year of his career, he's been, uh, you know, like, you know, in, in the upper third of the league in limiting barrels. And that's also, you know, another nice skill to have. Soft contact, always good. Mm-hmm. The thing that worries me is the same thing that he does well. Uh, like these things are so obnoxiously high compared to the rest of his career that I just don't believe that they are going to be sustainable. Like, yes, mm-hmm. his walk rates are fantastic, but we were looking at like where he throws his pitches and he throws so many pitches in the middle of the zone. I don't understand. Like, I, I don't yeah. understand. These heat maps are wild. Yeah, like it defies convention in so, like in such a way that like I don't actually like trust what I'm seeing and and understanding. Like there has to be things that I'm missing. That yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm not, well, I'm, I'm not smart enough to know why Antonio Sensatella is good. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, on top of all of this, like his upcoming matchups are at Atlanta, at Philadelphia, home against the Dodgers and home against San Francisco is is how it looks like the schedule is lining up. And uh, if you remember where Antonio Sensatella pitches, home is the Colorado uh, Rockies Stadium. So Coors Field, that one, that stadium. (laughs) (laughs) I could hear you just struggling. I could I could I could literally hear the hamster wheel in your head squeaking as you tried to think of that. The poor, that poor overworked hamster <laughs> at the end of the day, this is me making you all aware of the fact that Sensatella is in the middle of, or maybe near the end of what is for him an absolutely phenomenal stretch at this point in the year. Sometimes low risk innings are all you need. And if you are a braver man than I, uh, Sensatella might give you those innings. I will openly state here. I am not picking him up in any leagues unless i'm truly desperate but he's been really good and i mean yeah maybe he can continue to string together these quality starts yeah it's fully within the realm of possibility i mean like oh gosh i i want to say that it might be a good idea to maybe try to stream him for the rest of the season because again he's looked very very good but at the same time Three out of them, his la- his remaining four opponents that he's supposed to face this year, or like sorry, uh, the next four opponents that he's supposed to face this year, uh, three of them rank in the top half of the league in ex-woba against right-handed pitchers. So there is that too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It feels kind of like a fade to me potentially, but he's also been defying pretty much everything we know. Well- for the past I, three months. So I like to talk about a player, but then also uh, say bad things about that player so that if they do well, I can be like, well, I talked about that player. And then if they do badly, <laughs> I can say, well, like, well, I said bad things about that player. It's win-win like to, for me. You, you like to hedge the bets. Yes. Yeah, you like to, you yeah. like to play both sides. 
this guy, this guy. I play both sides, so I always come out ahead. I love the always sunny, <laughs> the always sunny reference. For those of you that get that, for those that know, they know. Um, no, uh, gosh, I really want to like Sensitella. I'm just, I think I'm a little bit gun shy. I don't know. I, I always think it's fun when a player like that succeeds, but it's so rare for like how how many players are Kyle Hendricks? It's very few. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, I mean, we can ex- at least explain why his walk rate is so low is because he's literally throwing everything like down the heart of the plate. It feels like, and he's throwing a slider for a ton of strikes. He's, he's throwing his fastball 55% of the time. And mm-hmm. literally it just middle. I don't, I, I don't understand how it works. Uh, his fastball doesn't incredible. seem to be like an elite pitch. I don't, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that one either, honestly. But, uh, um, why, why don't you tell me about someone with a good fastball, please? So I, fastball? Don't, so, I, so I get to stop thinking about Antonio <laughs> Sensatella. You know, that was a heck of a segue, Schwebs. I like that yeah. a lot. Okay, so uh, Bailey Ober, I'm going to talk about from Minnesota Twins. So Ober, I think, has, if things shake out just completely uninterrupted for the rest of the season, I think he has possibly my absolute favorite remaining schedule for the 2021 season. As long as they keep a five-man rotation in Minnesota and there's no like weirdness with like setting someone back, giving someone an extra day of rest, whatever. So he's lining up for six more starts this season. If that stands, he would face Cleveland, Kansas city, Cleveland, Chicago Cubs, Detroit, Kansas city again. So again, to say that again, that's Cleveland twice, Kansas city twice, Chicago and Detroit, which I think you're going to be really hard pressed to find a more favorable set of matchups than that. Every single one of those teams is ranked in the lower half of the league in Exwoba versus right-handed pitchers. So you've got like Kansas City's 23rd, Cleveland is 18th, Chicago Cubs are 25th, and Detroit is 22nd. Like just like not good offenses against right-handed pitching since the trade deadline. Um, if you lump all that in with the fact that Bailey Ober has been doing a really really good job at elevating his fastball and burying the slider, like kind of like Blake Snell blueprint type thing. You can see why he's seen like a relative amount of success in the recent weeks, including he had a five inning, seven strikeout performance against Boston. No earned runs, just very, very good, which was really, really surprising. Um, I think Nick Pollock in multiple now uh, SP roundups after Ober starts has said that it reminds him of like a younger, like a same, like a similar blueprint to a younger Jake Odorizzi, who's just like painting the top of the zone with that fastball and burying the slider really, really well. So um, a a nice thing about Ober, it's like the polar opposite of Senzatello where like we can look at what Ober is doing and pinpoint, yes, this is why he's successful. And as long as he can continue to do this, he'll be fine. Yes, exactly. There's no, there's no guesswork here. It's like, if he locates that fastball at the top of the zone, he can, you know, the success can continue. He's a dude with a six, nine frame. And if you can locate the fastball at the top of the zone, it's going to be solid. Yeah. I think, Nick also used the pun Ober, is he? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, which I thought was very, very good. So good job, Nick. This is one time that I'm actually going to give you credit for a pun you make. You better savor it. Um, <laughs> but I think that overall, he's going to be a great streamer rest of season. Like this is someone that should be rostered. He, again, he's 15% rostered between ESPN and Yahoo leagues. And just like for a frame of reference, I pulled just a list of 12 names that are rostered more than he is in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. 
that I would rather throw onto the waiver wire to pick him up. So like Zach Thompson from the Marlins, J.A. Happ, uh, Tuki Toussaint, Kwang Young Kim, Patrick Corbin, Tarek Skubal, uh, Madison Bumgarner, Vladimir Gutierrez, Yusei Kikuchi, who's someone that Schwabzi and I were both pretty high on coming into the season. Um, Dallas Keuchel, who has just been really, really bad lately for the White Sox. Um, Andrew Heaney and James Caprillion. Uh, oh. Just like all those, I think all those guys should be on the waiver wire instead of Bailey Ober for the rest of the season. I have, I have two questions, complaints. Yes. All right. Well, uh, so Kikuchi, uh, at one point in this in this season, uh, I had like marked down as like a season long success story for me. But then, yeah. like af- I, I, after the sticky stuff, he kind of lost it. It yeah. feels like. But uh, Tariq Skubal is the one name on that list that I uh, strongly disagree with. You would you would rather have Scoobal for the rest of the year? I'd I'd rather have Scoobal. I think the ceiling is significantly higher. But do you know what the schedule is though? I don't know what the schedule is off the top of my head. See, that's the thing. I just don't think you're going to find a schedule that's better than Obers. That is, yeah, you know, I I will o- openly admit that uh, that is a gap in uh, the way I, I I look at pickups and whatnot. I don't pay too much attention to the schedule outside of like the immediate like one or two starts. Well, yeah, and that's the thing too is like most of the time you are only getting someone for like a week, like one start, or maybe there's a two start week that you're just like going to roll the dice on, like that you're not really do, you're not really thinking two, three weeks in advance. Right. So it's not something that you're necessarily required to do, but I figure like if you're this at this point in the season, there's someone that just has like this good of a schedule the rest of the way. Why not? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely love the Ober schedule. I, I, I will, I do. I've, I've traded quite a bit to get Scoobal in a, in a league that's very important to me. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, I'm a bit of a Scoobal stan. That's a keeper league too, correct? It is. So that's relevant yeah. there too. Yeah. That's, that's a relevant piece of information too. Obviously like it's, it's going to depend on your league. Uh, oh, what is the word I'm trying composition? That's the word I'm looking Scoob- at. Scoobal's next two starts are at Pittsburgh and then against Milwaukee. Milwaukee is scoring the most runs per game in the NL since the trade deadline. Are they really? They are. Take thanks, that, Schwebzy. Thanks, thanks Rowdy Telez. It absolutely owned Schwebzy by it's, the biggest by the biggest Milwaukee like Homer on the face of the earth. Obviously, it's, it's, I would know that. I, I love the dichotomy of, of like Rowdy Telez on one side and then small boys Willie Adonis and Luis Urias on the other side. Willie Thomas is that small. I mean, Luis. No, it's Louis. No, Luis Arias and Colton Wong are the short kings of that middle infield. I think Adamas was tiny too. No, Adamas is like six foot tall. I'm pretty sure six one. He's not short, short by any means. I'm sorry, I'm six three. So he has to say everyone's short compared to you. (laughs) By the way, can I send you my chiropractor bill for the like all the time I had to spend looking up at you when you visited Milwaukee? Is that all right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean. I brought phone books with me when I traveled to Milwaukee so that we would be roughly the same level on camera. You <laughs> carried an Apple box with you for me to stand on. <laughs> I brought the only remaining phone book in existence for you uh, to sit on. That was a New York phone book because that was the only one thick enough for me to actually get up near your level. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> tangents. This is great. All right. Phone um, books. Are the phone, definitely a thing that's still around showing my age. They absolutely do exist. I've seen one. Do they? It's crazy. It's crazy. I know. Um, but anyways, we're talking about Bailey Homer. <laughs> uh, the only, the only, the last thing I have to say about Ober is that I think that considering the people that are rostered at a higher percentage above him on that list, I think it's fully within reason 
for you to have over on your team in 12 team leagues at this point, just with how good that schedule is. And like his recent success, he's like looked really, really good and is uh, effectively uh, operated with his repertoire. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find him in as many leagues as I can to finish out the season. I, I th- you've convinced me. I am actually going to go look in several of my leagues. Hey, too. See, that's what makes me feel good is when I can convince my podcast co-host who can be a bit of a curmudgeon when I talk about certain players to actually join my side. Just never talk to me about Jake Arrieta again, please. I, I mean, that was literally for, that was literally for two starts at the beginning of the year. I was correct. And then I was like, don't do this for the rest of the season. <laughs> Bye. I have in my notes here that you, uh, you are a huge fan of, jake arietta don't don't tell, i'm not a fan of jake arietta don't tell the newspapers i'm a fan of jake arietta <laughs> that's all that's all i'm going to say about that i'm on the record i do not like jake arietta that much big big move uh, for the padres god uh all right do we want to do do we do, should i just take my next one again and then we can yeah, finish up yeah, with the closers on. sounds good good plan Cool. Okay. So I mentioned at the top of the episode that I went to the Brewers game on Saturday. Uh, I got to see Adrian Hauser, who is now fresh off throwing a complete game shutout. Uh, the first in seven years for the Brewers, which I thought was pretty crazy. That's like, that feels that, like a really long time. Isn't that also who we saw together when I came to Milwaukee? It. Did we see Hauser or Anderson? I think it was Hauser. I'm pretty sure. It was Hauser. You just love going to see Adrian yeah. Hauser pitch. Apparently, and I mean, he won Two both wins. of those games. Yeah, both of those games. I'm, I'm, I must be the secret. Mm. That's secret sauce. I have to be at the games that he's pitching at. He's another pitcher that gets to roll through the rest of this year with a relatively easy schedule. So the remaining games that he's lining up currently to start, the last one is not a good one. I will preface with that. But he's got Cleveland, Chicago, St. Louis twice, who he just pitched a complete game shutout against, and then the last game would probably be the Dodgers, which is unfortunate. Um. Now, the way it's lined up right now is probably going to shift a little bit with the eventual return of Brett Anderson from the IL and then some potential spot starts from my absolute favorite boy, Aaron Ashby. So it's worth monitoring the situation to see like how people are being given rest and stuff like that. But regardless of how things shake out, he should still only miss one start against St. Louis, and that would probably be flipped around and he would probably end up starting against the Mets. So worth noting there. Still not a great offense. Sorry, Shrepti. Uh, it's just, to me, it's really wild that he had the game that he did in just his third start since he came back from the COVID IL. But a lot of the success that he had was mostly due to the fact that the St. Louis hitters that he faced were just so incredibly passive. He did do a really, really good job avoiding the heart of the plate mostly. Uh, and he also busted a ton of hit, like especially the right-handed hitters high and in with that sinker. Uh, and he threw a ton of first pitch strikes. So he was getting ahead early in counts, which is really good for him. But the St. Louis offense took 22 called strikes on the sinker alone, which inflated Hauser's CSW for the sinker on the day to almost 40%, which is like, that's, that's very rarely going to happen. Like called strikes are probably the most volatile part of the CSW formula, I would say, between that and the whiffs. Yeah, I mean, so... I, this is a this is a rare time where I'll, where I'll give a, a little bit of pushback to uh, like like kind of an overarching theme of uh, Nick Pollock's analysis. Who uh, Nick hates uh, called strikes on sinkers uh, specifically, yeah. and on the one hand, like yes, it's not a sustainable thing. But on the other hand, 
in an isolated start, like it, I, I think that generally means that you you had your sinker going that day. Like I don't I don't know what it means for sustained success, but it was a heck of a start by him that day. Yeah, I mean, usually with like sinkers, like if you have if someone has like a very very good one, typically what you're thinking is that you're getting swings and you're getting really crappy weak contact. And they're driving it directly into the ground or like hitting it really softly. You know, you don't think that it's like a, it's not like a, a pitch that's gonna bump. It's not gonna it's gonna be a pitch that's gonna have a CSW of almost forty percent. Even though, yeah, most of it was called strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really did do a good job. Like in certain situations, like again, elevating it in and on the hands of right-handed hitters, and then getting like backdoor strikes with it. He didn't leave a ton right over the middle of the plate. Um, but again, super passive St. Louis offense contributed to that. So there's like a little bit of cold water to be thrown on this. I don't think he was, I don't think he's as good as this performance was not even close, but it was encouraging still. Um, overall, I think again, just like the biggest draw here is the schedule. I really, really love having pitchers who are just competent, not amazing, competent, but have really, really good schedules. It's a good way to at least like maybe steal a couple free wins here and there. And again, like I said previously, when I was talking and firing back about, um, the Tarek Skubal argument between him and Bailey Ober. The Brewers lead the NL in runs per game since the trade deadline. So that hopefully will mean that if, as long as Hauser can go five innings, which he has pretty consistently this year, he should be able to collect some wins down the stretch. I dig it. Heck yeah. Would you bet the Hauser on him? Oh my God. I want to hurt my soul. Oh, Schwabzi. I, I really like I I was I was I wasn't I wasn't going to say anything, but I, we need we need to circle back all the way to like the Sensatella uh, sense to tell him to get out of here pun. I was going to let that slide. That was it. I think that might have been an all timer for you on the podcast, at least like in personal like conversations. There's been many, many more, but definitely like on the podcast sense to tell him to get out of here is that's an all timer. I just, I just want every pun to bring down the Hauser is all. I'm so glad we only have three episodes left this season. <laughs> you need an off season to recover from this. Oh God, this assault on your, on your, this assault on my senses. senses. Just yeah. having to look at you and look at that smug look on your face when you tell a pun, and just like waiting for me to respond. Ugh, this man. All right. To close out the episode, I, what, what I like is is to cause dread when uh, when I smile uh, for no reason, and you know something bad is coming. I'm just like he thought of something that he thinks is hilarious. Great, fantastic. Let's go get it's it super, over with. It's super obvious because uh, if you if you don't participate in the stream, that uh, when I smile, my eyes shut completely, like slits. So um, it's very very obvious when I'm very pleased with myself at the thing I have thought of. So Jordan knows when it's coming and can all, all he can do is prepare. I'm pre- like I just like pinch the bridge of my nose preemptively. Just a, you can feel the, the headache to coming br- on to, ahead yeah, of time. To, yeah, to brace for the migraine you're about to give me. Thank you so much. Nothing makes me happier. Oh, God. All right. Well, to close out the episode, let's talk about some closers. How about that? Nice. Hey, I got one too, sort of. So uh, we we are going to do the the semi-traditional rundown of the closers for bad teams that should probably still be rostered because they're closers. Uh, I'm going to go in order of least appealing to me to most appealing. Okay. 
All right. So we're, we're going to start with uh, Carlos Estevez of the Rockies. And I, I am so glad that the Rockies are finally giving someone besides Daniel Bard a shot at this closer role mm. because uh, Daniel Bard is kind of like a, a microcosm of what is wrong with the Rockies. Because like, why? Like, why? What we, The team is hopeless. Why do you have a 36-year-old closer who's not even particularly good? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand it. But anyway, um, the Rockies, I mean, they, they have like what I would call maybe an intriguing reliever or two. No one particularly great. But uh, Estevez was kind of the obvious choice here, given his tenure with the team and general confidence this year. I don't really expect him to be the long-term solution, but he's fine. And I can see him accumulating a few saves before the end of the year without a major blow-up. Yep. Uh, you just talked about Bednar last week, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, in the same vein as Estevez uh, Givens, uh, Michael mm. Givens of the Reds, like there is uh, so uh, Estevez is rostered in six uh, percent of leagues, uh, whereas Given is a little bit more widely rostered at seventeen percent. And there was a bit of a scare here for people who roster Givens, as Michael Lorenzen scored a couple of saves in a row. But the Cincinnati cluster heck continues as Givens had a bad outing, but then so did Lorenzen. And the most recent save opportunity went to Gibbons. Uh, I think this is similar to the Estevez situation in that he's not the best pitcher in the world, uh, speaking of Gibbons, but he's cromulent enough to hold down the closer role for a month. If I was a Reds fan with the playoffs still out there as a decent possibility, I would be terrified uh, every time Gibbons went out there, but he could be fine. Yeah. And then, uh, so these two pitchers that I'm about to talk about, I like both of them. But okay. I, I do think one of them is going to get more save opportunities. So uh, David Bednar, we talked about last week, and I believe since we talked about him, he has gotten zero save opportunities still, mm. which is a bummer because he's been really good. He continues to be really, really dope. His last appearance was a two inning 4K domination where the only base runner was the first walk that he's allowed in a month. Uh, and that was that that appearance a month ago where he walked someone was another two inning outing uh since the start of july it's a 0.7 era with a 1.57 fit and 31 strikeouts in 52 point sorry 25.2 innings this man <laughs> should be rostered everywhere he's going to get save opportunities at some point and he's valuable in you know even when he's not especially exactly. in save hold those ratios are great yeah yeah i would die for that yeah so good and then the final closer uh rowan wick uh wick earned his third save since coming off the injured list this one was of the two inning variety uh this wasn't the kind of domination that i want to see though uh he he held down this job for a bit last year and has a history of striking dudes out so i'm not going to hold an underwhelming two inning outing against him especially when it was his first multi-inning outing in a calendar year so I, I like the skills Wick strikes out. He's got that closer strikeout stuff. And I do think the Cubs are a more capable team than the Pirates somehow, in spite of them completely cleaning house. <laughs> it's they completely cleaned house and they're like their their backups are like better than 90 percent of the Pirates roster. Yeah. Schwindel and Wisdom are better than anybody except like Reynolds on the Pirates team. It's wild. Oof. It's true. But yeah, so I, I do think uh, Chicago will probably get more save opportunities than Pittsburgh. 
not that that's saying a whole lot. Well, they've but, won. What is it now? I saw it. It was either today or yesterday. I saw they had won five in a row and seven of their last ten. Yeah, there was there was well, one point here. where the the two hottest teams in baseball were the Chicago Cubs and the New York Mets. Oof, love it. Love I, it. I love I love that my team is included in that, like semi ironically. Um, but yeah, Wick is rostered in three percent of leagues. So if you need a closer and a, a closer that I believe can actually be like reliable and give you good peripherals also i think you should pick wick up plus i like the fact that his name is wick because it lends itself well to a lot of wordplay because if he you don't you don't need more ammo no if he pitches badly you could be like wick more like fuse am i right this man you're just smiling at me on camera right now i'm just looking (laughs) at you you're just staring waiting for me to just do anything just oh God, please, uh, someone help me. Someone save me from this man. If they overwork him and he, and he does poorly on like back-to-back days, it's because they're like trying to burn the candle at both ends, right? <sighs> all right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Once again, we appreciate it. Uh, again, to kind of go over the, all the usual stuff, we got our socials that you should follow. Obviously, follow us at In the Deep pl on twitter and you can follow schwebzy individually at s-h-w-e-b-s-i or myself at bunt singles uh, also be sure to mail in your mailbag questions to in the deep pl at gmail.com and if you're listening on spotify stitcher apple podcasts or whatever platform you are on be sure to like subscribe leave a review for the podcast we would appreciate it and with that we will bid you adieu schwebzy send them out bye friends Thank you.